We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Faith Podcast. I'm Mickey Collin. I'm delighted, delighted to be joined on the line today by Zara from the We Are The Geordies film. Um, Zara, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me on the show, Mickey. So I had the privilege of watching watching the film last night before this interview, and I think it comes out, it's the 12th of December, isn't it? 11th of December, but close enough. 11th, I was almost there. Um, and the... the the film's going to be available on DVD on a lot of different platforms, and that's from your website, Zara, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So at the minute it's uh, DVD. We're doing pre-sales, and people keep asking why we're pushing the pre-sales when nobody has DVDs, but there's manufacturing that has to come into account with DVD. So, you know, I don't want to end up with tripping over boxes because nobody wants it, but at the same time I don't <laughs> want to run, run out and not be able to get any more before Christmas because obviously, you know, this is when people are buying presents for people and that kind of thing. So it's um, available on our website, uh, which is www.wearethegeordies.com. Uh, it's also available from Cargo Records, who are distributing it for us. It should be on Amazon soon, DVD, but they're having all sorts of problems and then it will actually be in a few physical shops um i'm hoping back page will stock it hmv blah 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 all the usual kind of stuff um and then the digital stuff as well so again amazon uh virgin sky store itunes apple stuff like that i don't know i run out of where it's supposed to be as many places as humanly possible yeah, you can't you can't miss it with all of those, and I think I think we're going to get a voucher code which we'll send out in the the special this week. Um, so so keep your eyes peeled for that as well. Yes, the voucher code um, will probably just be for DVD at this point, but I am trying to sort out offers with the digital downloads and stuff as well to make it as easy and affordable for people as possible. Brilliant news, especially necessary this year, and it's with um with how things have gone. I wanted I wanted to talk through the film, and you know it's tempting to do. It's tempting to go back and do like a full season review of that season because it was it was so brilliant. And watching watching the film last night brought back all of those memories for me of um of that sensational year under Rafa Benitez. And that's not what this needs to be. We need to talk about the film, but I think we'll indulge ourselves a little bit, Sarah, and talk about a few of the games as well while we go through because it was because yeah, yeah, it was so good. But that sounds good. I've got I've got I've got I've still actually got my big wall planner up so I can look and see if I sound like I know exactly what I'm talking about, what happened and what match. It's just because I've still I'm actually sitting looking at the wall planner. I'm not a total NUFC nerd by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, making this film <laughs> made me realize that like I'm mm, borderline between fan and supporter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, was that War Planet is up there for the purpose of the film then? Has that got all of the kind of information on about the season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we didn't have a clue what we were going to do. So I got these massive bits of card and pinned them all the length of a wall. So I live in a Tyneside flat and it's like the back bedroom is our edit suite. So the length of one wall is all um, taken up with the film. So it's got every single match by month and then which fans we saw at that match, whether we went into the match or whether we just did stuff outside. And then there's like the results and if anything massively exciting or interesting happened, just so we could keep track of it because we didn't have a clue what we were doing. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I'd love to see that wall chart if you're going to... I'll take a photograph. Yeah, I'll take a photograph and send it to you later. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm I'm interested to know, uh, first of all, kind of where where the idea of the film came from and what what made you want to do this and then how how did it kind of develop from there into into you actually making the film? Um, well, I I was in, I've been involved with um, NUFC Fans United for a long time and through meeting lots of Newcastle United supporters and listening to their stories, particularly away stories because I'd never been to an away game. I was always a bit scared to go to an away game, to be quite frank. Um, but listening to their stories and the laughs that they had along the way kind of really chimed with me and kind of that just sat in the back of my head kind of ruminating and I didn't really think very much about it. Then in June 2016, so this was like about two weeks after Rafa said he was going to stay. So we'd been relegated in the January, uh, in the January, been relegated in the May. This was June. Rafa said he was going to stay. I discovered this, that there's millions of videos, which I didn't even know existed on YouTube, Newcastle United fan footage, people filming themselves at the match, filming goal celebrations, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I had no idea that there was this like wealth of football footage of mainly our fans being paralytic, singing Rafa Benitez chants. Um, and I happened to go to London to do a course on low-budget filmmaking, um, just like new ways of thinking about stuff. And the thing with filmmaking is, particularly up here, there's not a lot of people with a lot of money and you need a lot of money to make films. And this guy said something that was really straightforward was, instead of spending ages writing something on spec and then spending years trying to make a film what have you got access to that you can make a film about quite cheaply and of course I've got this whole Rafa Benitez thing going in my head and I know I've got access to fans through Fans United and obviously because Fans United was involved in the fans forum theoretically we could get access to Newcastle United so I was like this is all really you know so this starts building a bit more in my mind then I was talking to a Liverpool supporter about Rafa Benitez and he said, I mentioned that, you know, wouldn't it be really cool if you've seen these videos and you could do a really cool film following fans, following the team. And he said, that would be mint and you've got to do it this season because you've got Rafa Benitez who's come from Real Madrid and Liverpool and Napoli and blah, blah, blah and won everything wherever he's been and he's in the second tier of English football. And he said something that really resonated and stuck with me. And it's kind of in all the marketing material, which was from Bernabeu to Barnsley. And when you think about it in those terms, you go, that really is quite a compelling story. But the football season starts in two weeks and there's no, uh, two months, and there's no way that I'm going to be able to turn this round. Sorry if I'm going on. It's a really long story. Then no, no. on the train on the way back, I was on Twitter. And as a lot of people know, NUFC Twitter can be either hilarious and amazing or at the minute, 
bleak as fuck, but then it was hilarious and amazing because we had Rafa and everybody was excited. And I was like, you know what? There's so much personality in these tweets that I'm sure I can find some Newcastle United supporters, which gives me one of the things I need, which is the fans to follow. Then I've got to get the club on board. So I actually rang Hasty, Steve Hasty, on from the train and said, right, I want to do a I want to follow fans around the country following Newcastle United this season. Can we get the club, do you think? Like, can we persuade Lee Marshall to let us do this? And can we find half a dozen Newcastle United supporters who go to lots of away matches who aren't dickheads? Is that possible? (laughs) And he went, yeah, I'm sure it is possible. There's lots of Newcastle United supporters who aren't dickheads. Um, So that's what we did. And then... Literally two months to the day later, we were interviewing Rafa Benitez in the training ground, and I was bricking it. Um, <laughs> but we did it. Like really, it was so because it was the championship and it was Newcastle. And I don't know uh, Rafa Benitez. I don't know if people can remember, but there was like a massive build-up on Sky Sports for that Friday night game. They had um, oh, what's the guy called? Um, funny accent from the southwest. Was a manager for QPR for a while. Can't remember his name. Ian, Ian Holloway. Him, yes. He was lovely. He was there to do a massive interview with Rafa Benitez. There was all these TV cameras. There was like proper big, like the massive TV cameras. And then there was us with like a little DSLR. Um, proper. I mean, it was, you know, a proper camera. Esther, camera woman, was doing it and lights and stuff. But we just were really, really tiny crew um, up against these massive broadcast people. Um and that was it. We just cracked on from there. Sorry, that was really so it all, long. It all, it all kind of came about in in a really short space of time. I was I was going to ask you if um if you would have done it without Rafa Benitez, but it sounds like it sounds like that's a no. And also, there was a lot of things that kind of just came together sort of perfectly for you at the at the right time. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was luck. Uh, there's no there's no denying that there was a lot of luck went into it, but um, much like the current managers, <laughs> yeah, let, no, let's just let's just. We're not going to talk about him. I, I can't talk about Steve Bruce. I really can't because um, I'll just lose my rag and nobody wants to hear that. Um, yeah, we got really lucky. But at the same time, you know, we had we did have contacts. The club were really supportive. Um, where we didn't get lucky was the Kickstarter because we were up against Gallagher flags um, and there was no way we could compete with that. Um, and of course, nobody knows anything about films and if they're ever going to happen. So it's like such a spec thing that nobody actually wants to give you money in case it doesn't happen. And then, you know, they've just chucked 10 quid away or 20 quid or whatever. Uh, but everybody who we talked to about the idea, even people who didn't like football were like, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. This is a tremendous idea. Um, and that kind of belief in the strength of the idea was really one of the things that kept us going when we didn't have money. That's um, it's fascinating to hear how the how your kind of journey went in such a short space of time to go from from zero and then all positive feedback into into starting making this this film. I, I, you know, I'm I'm curious about um about what your mindset was like at the start of the season and and, and before that first game at Fulham, which obviously was massive. I remember it like it was yesterday, and uh, how how badly it went. The the like glee from football fans around the country on Sky Sports News and all over Twitter and all that. Were you were you worried before the season? And you know, we're talking about a time before Sunderland Till I Die happened. But we, was there a part of you that was worried that you might end up charting 
a disaster. It, you know, if we hadn't if we hadn't got promoted, there wasn't the season would have been a catastrophe. There wasn't. There wasn't. What I was people did ask me that, like, what if what if we're just going to free fall? I mean, you know, it wasn't Sunderland at that point. It was Leeds people talked about, and I said the thing is, even if things go really, really, really badly for the team, that's drama, and it's I want drama because that's what keeps people watching. Otherwise, it's boring. You know, the old adage is drama is conflict. So the sort of way we looked at it was being relegated wouldn't be a disaster for the film. Might be a disaster for our main market, but it wouldn't be an overall disaster for the film. Being promoted would be amazing. And what we called the Hollywood ending was actually going up through the playoffs. Um, But everybody, including myself, was like, the playoffs would be horrific. Like, we can't cope. It would just be too stressful. Then how can you divorce yourself from following Newcastle to cover it? and it not go horrifically wrong. Um, what I was really worried about was mid-table. If we like just ended up being blah in the middle and nothing really interesting <laughs> happened, because then I was like, nobody will be interested. So, um, yeah, I just didn't want mid-table mediocrity. That makes, yeah, that makes total sense. And I guess, you know, both both this and, you know, people people will see what it is when they when they get a chance to watch it. But the, I, I was going to say, this, this proves that, the positive season that we had transfers really well into a into a documentary film about it. Suddenly, until I die, proves the opposite. So I guess I guess you're right that you could have had you could have had both. I'm delighted it didn't go that way and that it went the way that it did. Um, yeah, but it's in, but, it's know, interesting but, because if you look at like the stu- the stuff that was starting, I mean, I, there's a whole massive story about Sunderland until I die that I don't want to get into on here. But the thing that's interesting when we started out, you had. The all or nothing stuff was just starting in America, but it was sort of with NFL teams. And you also had, um, there was a college football show in America called, um, which if nobody's seen it, you really have to check it out on Netflix called Last Chance You. Even if you don't like American football, it's just an amazing show. And we watched both of those back to back kind of right as we were starting. It was the week before um, that friendly we played the week before. Um, was it Hellas Veronis? No, that was the second season. I can't remember who it was, but the first, the last, the only preseason friendly we played at home before the start of the championship season. Somebody told me about Last Chance You, so we watched both of those just as we started. And the thing that was really interesting is, so there's been five seasons of Last Chance You, which is just awful because it's taken us so long to make the film, and God knows how many all or nothings. But we're the only ones that have actually, and then suddenly until I die, we're the only ones that have charted a success. Everything else, all all the rest of them, I watched them go like the Leeds one. They didn't get promoted that year. Um, Man City, they were supposed to win. The, the, it was set up. The beginning is they're going into this season to win the Champions League, and they didn't. So, like, even though they won the title, that was a failure for Manchester City. And then Spurs, everything went tits up, and they got Mourinho and blah blah blah. So for me, it's really been quite all the way through, I'm going, but we actually didn't kill our team. We followed our team, but we didn't kill our team. So, you know, that was quite, because that would have been really shit if it had been us. And I have read recently that Rodwell, etc. at Sunderland have quite often blamed Sunderland till I die for some of the disasters that befell that club. But that's, well, I that's think, all the uh, speculation. Yeah, Jack Jack Rubble needs to think about his own terrible footballing ability before he blames filmmakers. I, you know, as much as I want to criticise that lot that did that film, you know, that Jack Rubble is a terrible footballer and that that showed in his performances. Anyway, that, that I, I digress. Um, 
I, re- I, I remember Zara. I don't know if you remember this, but at, at one of the Gallagher Flags fundraiser quizzes was the first time that I met you probably. And you, you told me that I was, I was going to be in some of the footage mm-hmm. of the film. And I, I've been dead excited to see it ever since. And I, I spotted myself in the trailer and, and, and watching it last night, I was, you know, I, I was extra excited because I, I thought I might see myself celebrating a goal and I've never, I've never seen that before. Yeah. It's, it's weird to think that I've been all these games and I've never once seen myself uh-huh. at the match. Um, and I, I did quite a few times actually because I sit in front of, um, in front of Scud and Whistler. Yeah. Um, I know them. I know them quite well now at the match. I sit right in front of them. So, I, and I didn't know until quite recently that they were going to be one of the focuses of the film, and that's that's how I'd managed to get in it. But I, I obviously had noticed that you were filming a lot in yeah. that corner. Um, yeah, it was just well, so obviously it's obviously the, 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 the corner is kind of one of the loudest parts of the ground. So quite often when we we're looking for like what you would call B-roll footage, so like the there's the footage of the film, interviews or whatever, the narrative stuff, but then there's the cutaways. Um, we knew that we'd always get the best cutaway stuff from the corner, so we were there quite a lot because it was generally quite leery and we knew that ge- that we would get um, Scud and Whistler a lot, which would save our asses in various points. I don't know if you noticed a couple of bits of footage that got recycled where you were like, yeah, that wasn't really that much. We, we, it's called cheating, but seeing as everybody's been celebrating the biggest cheat of them all, Maradona, I'll proudly say that we did cheat. Oh. And uh, a couple of times cheated bits of footage where you're, you're wearing a blue a blue sweatshirt a lot, and I'm sure you didn't wear it as often as it looks like you wore it in that season. <laughs> I I hadn't noticed the cheating. You didn't have to tell anyone. Well, that. there you go. You, you can cut that bit out if you wanted to. But I did. I I kind of did want. You know, I've got to kind of be because there's always, there's always going to be somebody going. Oh, well, I wasn't at that match, and you go, yeah, but you know, it's Hollywood, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> especially on Newcastle Twitter, you're going to get people like that. Yeah. Um, I um, I love I love watching that footage and seeing myself and my dad. There's one there's one moment where no one else will will be able to see because you only see his, his face for a fraction of a second, but you see my dad running down the stairs and he just, his head just appears at the side of someone yeah. celebrating and going mental running down the stairs. And it like, it really, it really brought it all back. And I'm, I'm going to come on to the positive bits in a second, but I, I wanted to start by talking to you about how well the film captures the nerves and the, the, the pressure of the season, which you, you, you can kind of forget happened because the end result turned out what we all wanted uh-huh. you forget how 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 nervous it was going through the season and I, I thought the film captured that really well with just just images and 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 not quite stills but you know short short sections of footage looking at people's faces yeah you you can instantly remember what those games felt like when we lost the, the bad results the bad draws at home what was it like filming that and and do you think that kind of peaked in the immediate period after the new year Oh, the New Year stuff was just so stressful. Uh, I really, that kind of centrepiece thing with uh, the QPR match, um, that I really thought Rafa Benitez was going to walk out of that. Because we we were the only cameras in those press conferences because there's like written press conferences and then there's the TV press conferences and then radio is separate again. But we were in the written press because Newcastle United kind of control the written press conferences. So we were the only ever cameras in there and then there's like George Colkin and Luke Edwards and all the journalists that everybody knows that uh, write frequently about Newcastle United and what was interesting in those press conferences was kind of what's said and written down and recorded and then what the kind of off the cuff background stuff that the journalists could never ever write about but gives a lot of context to the writing 
within that you that you then read later on in the Chronicle or whatever. Um, and had Rafa Benitez picked up one of those bottles and just thrown it at somebody and walked out of that press conference, <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised. It was horrific. It was so scary. Um, and the other real low point for me was Ipswich Easter weekend um, when we lost 3-0. And I really thought we were going to blow getting promoted and everything was going to be a disaster and we would end up with the mid-table mediocrity. Like, we would not go up and either just miss out on the playoffs or fail spectacularly in the playoffs. Um, and that that was the moment where I was really thought, that was the only game I left early. I left at halftime at Ipswich and I thought there's, I don't want to be stuck on, I don't know if people who's been at Ipswich and who hasn't, but you've got to get, you get the train, the mainline train down to Peterborough change and then you get on these tiny little pacer trains yeah. which are just ram-packed with people. And I thought, I really don't want to be stuck on these ram-packed trains with angry Raggy Geordies when I've got all this expensive camera equipment that I've rented from somebody. So I left early um, and I was going, I can't believe it. They're just completely fucking this up and the whole thing's going to be a disaster. That was the low point for me, apart from thinking Rafa was going to walk at QPR. The press conference footage is sensational. I'd, I'd never seen anything like it. And I, I remember at the time how nervous we all were about about Rafa leaving and how upset he was, but you can just see it in him so clearly. See them so clearly in the footage. We we interviewed the people, the like our fans after uh, the next couple of games. There was the cup replay, was it against Birmingham? Was it a replay or was that the first leg against Birmingham City? Oh, yeah. uh, I'll have remember. to have a look on my list. I haven't got my glasses on now. Anyway, we played Birmingham City in the cup, and we played Derby. They were the two games around there. And I remember interviewing our fans and they're all going, no, 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 you're exaggerating. You're, it's, it's, all, it's all as we all do. It's the press. They're making stuff up. And I'm like, no, they're not. I was there. I really, he's going to walk. That's it. He's gone. That's the end. End of the film. That's it. He's done. Um, but he didn't. He, you know, he stayed and woo-hoo-hoo. Well, thank God he didn't. And um, we kind of ro- rolled from there into a, a couple of... Um, a couple of key results which are, are focused on quite well in the film, um, Brighton and Huddersfield away in a week. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, that was obviously the, the key week of that season. Those two games were were brilliant. I didn't get to go down to either. I thought your footage of the the away ends uh, was was brilliant. It's so good to watch. I love I love watching stuff like that. And it it it, it, well, it really clearly shows the, the, the kind Huddersfield. Of, the Huddersfield. So James James is the writer and co-director of the film um my husband he's american um and that's huddersfield's his favorite game his favorite bit of the whole film that huddersfield um sequence and it's just it's kind of a microcosm of the season where it starts off well although we didn't start off that well but we did go on a run quite early in the game uh, quite early in the season um it starts off quite well and then there's a dodgy penalty and then everybody thinks oh shit we're going to cock this up but then we end up victorious. So it's kind of that match is just like a little microcosm of the whole season. And the footage is beautiful and everybody's faces, the pain on people's faces after the penalty goes in, but then the elation makes it all worthwhile. Um, yeah, it's really good. Um, I'm, that's a really strong bit of the film. And like you say, it was kind of the crucial part of the season as well. So again, I think part of it was we got lucky, but, um, 
and Huddersfield Football Club, as much as the fans I know have got not a great reputation, the football club themselves were really hospitable, whereas Brighton wouldn't let us in. So, yeah, I wondered that. It's quite. Um, it was quite apparent which which clubs had let you in and which hadn't. And I, you know, just can't understand why any of them would ever say ever say no to something like this. But but there you go. That's modern. That's modern football, isn't it? Yeah. I was curious about what what was it like being in those away ends and and what was it like filming it. And and kind of additionally to that, how did how did actually filming at the games affect your enjoyment of the football? Were you still able to enjoy the match, or was it kind of all focus all about the film? Generally, it was all focus about the film. Um, Sheffield was kind of quite a boring game. Um, we went down, didn't we? Sheffield Wednesday. Um, that's a really good question. I don't know. I think it was kind of a bit of both. I mean, filming-wise, I would generally have sound so I could be watching the football or I would just have my phone, um, whereas the guys who actually had the proper swanky cameras were generally focused on the football, so you never really got to watch much of the football anyway. Um, and that was a weird thing. There were some games like that Bristol City game that was 2-2. I know it was a home game, but I didn't have a clue what the score was. I had no idea because... I was I I knew we'd conceded some dodgy goals. You could tell that just by the rage in the fans, and then you knew we'd scored some goals. But I had at the end of the game, I had absolutely no idea whether we'd won or lost or what because I was just I was watching you guys. It's it's bizarre that I, I, you know it's it must be such a weird experience, especially in such crucial games. That Bristol one in particular, you mentioned there. I remember I was furious, yeah. furious that we didn't win that. Furious, we didn't get three points. Same with uh, same with the Leeds game as well. Oh, the Leeds one, that. Uh, yeah. That was because I was, I knew that I had to get. I had another camera guy waiting outside for me, and I'd said I would meet him right outside on the final whistle. So I was watching it in the in the press room with the the guy. There's kind of two, and I've, one of them's called Eddie, and I've forgotten the other guy's name, and it's really awful because I think in the credits they're just the press room because I couldn't remember the guy's name. Um, which is horrible because he loaned James a coat when it was really freezing cold. Um, but I was watching it with those two guys and that last second kick, Chris Woods, I was fuming. And I, and everybody, there was a couple of people who'd obviously left early and had come running out and going, yeah, we've won, get in. And then you're like, no, you've missed the goal, the equaliser. And it's, it's horrific, full of rage. Um, and then none of our fans... <laughs> fans all blanked us after that game none of them would do an interview <laughs> dr dave was like i fucking hate leads and i went can i use your tweet and he went no you can't but i fucking hate leads <laughs> <laughs> i've got a lot of sympathy with that i remember coming out of that game i was so angry you know there was a lot of times through that season again which i'd sort of forgotten about until i until i watched this film where i thought we'd screwed it up yeah. and that was that was one of them where i thought you know if you just don't concede that goal we're fine it's done and and yet we're conceding the ninety fourth minute to Chris Wood, who, as it happens, has turned into a great footballer, but and had a good season that season. But I, I remember being absolutely, absolutely fuming. Yeah. Another another thing that I thought was really interesting in the film, and it, it's tied in because I was absolutely fuming again, was I thought yeah, I thought your coverage of the the fans and the commentary and everything about the the Burton, I don't even know what you call it, farce. Yeah. Oh, where they, was... they gave a pen and then. And then cancelled it and gave a free kick. I thought that was, I thought that was sensational. You've captured something there that, like, should in theory never happen again, and and has never happened before. What what, what was it like for you? 
that was a strange one because we were in. Um, I'm just I'm, give us one. I'm just going to mute you for a second because I'm going to cough my guts up and I don't want to deafen people. <clears throat> it's okay. It's not COVID. Um, it was. It was a strange one because we. So George, the the kind of the fan who we focus on there, George Mitchell, um, sits next to Steve Hasty at the match, which I didn't realize going into the match that that was at the start of the season. Going into the film, I didn't realize that they actually sat next to each other. So when we um, when we decided we we're going to sit with George on that match, Steve said he would give us his seat because they sit next to each other. That makes it easy. So James was sitting in there with him. And Steve Hasty and I sat in the press box. And I think there must have been some competition winners from, I don't know, one of the sponsors or something who had seats in the press box as well. And everybody was just going really, really, really like mental with fury in the, not the, like these two or three other fans in the press box. And then all the other journalists, because, you know, you're sitting in the press box, you're not meant to jump up and down and, be involved as a supporter of the game. You're supposed to be focusing on the writing your journalistic review or whatever. Um, so that that in itself was really quite a, a strange sensation. And then I, again, it was one of those things that we got little sneaks of behind the scenes, if you like. That um, at half time, all the journalists, like uh, so, John Anderson and Matthew Raisbeck were in the they all get like cups of tea and stuff. They were talking and trying to work out what had happened with each other. And then just as the players were about to go out, because um, you kind of come past the players' tunnel to get back out again, um, Wendy Taylor, who was the head of media at the time, said, um, so we've just heard from the referee that he made a mistake and he didn't know the rules. <laughs> And that really infuriated everybody. Like, because a lot of the journalists are supporters of the team as well. So they were all furious. The players were all furious. And then again, these fans were just going absolutely mental, crazy, and acting like, you know, acting like fans, as you'd expect people to do um, when they're just there on a jolly. It was, yeah, it was a really sensational atmosphere because I think nobody had a clue what was going on. And then Wendy Taylor broke the news and that just fired everyone up. I'm gobsmacked that the referees admitted that in the middle of the game. Yeah. That's nuts. Um, yeah, I probably, I, I probably, I probably, I probably, I probably should. It's a good job it was four years ago, so it's all gone. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased I didn't know that at the time because I was angry enough as it was. I mean, it was obviously, it was obvious he didn't know the rules, yeah. but to know that he knew he didn't know the rules. Well, he came out and apologised afterwards. I, I mean, I don't think he knew. I don't think he knew it when he did it. I think it kind of became apparent to them at halftime. Maybe somebody from the um, I think they get watched, don't they? There's like referee observers. Somebody had obviously told him that he'd cocked it up and he apologised. Yeah. Um, there's kind of no excuse. So, no, so, well, uh, no, I mean, we'll not get drawn out of this, no. but like, <laughs> he's a professional referee. Yeah, well, he should, he's he made up a mental rule. He definitely should know better. But I mean, the fury, it's, it's that little bit of, when we got the footage from um, Sky, I wasn't expecting to get all the stuff on the touchline where you can see Rafa Benitez is just completely berating the fourth official on the touchline and going like, what the hell, what the hell is going on? And then Matt, Matt Ritchie, and I think it's Lascelles standing with him and Lascelles has got his hands behind his back so he's not coming, you know, being a tall bloke, so he's not coming across as being aggressive. Um, and you can just see them berating the officials going like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, and the noise, the noise was something that I picked up on from the oh, film the as well. Booze. The, the booze were un- unreal. 
was a, a crazy moment in a in a crazy season that um that that worked out in the end. We're almost we're almost at the end. Sorry. Um oh, sorry, sorry, I could have for hours about all really long answers. Sorry. All absolutely fascinating. You don't have to apologize. Um couple of final questions for you. Um how much how much did you think at the time that the film's success was going to be tied to the team's success? Um and, and kind of how if you, if you did think there was any tie there, how relieved were you in the Preston game when we finally secured promotion? Oh, massively relieved. It was un- unbelievable relief when we secured promotion. And then at the in the last the last game of the season, I was actually um, I snuck in. I, I had a ticket. I didn't sneak sneak in. I had a ticket, but I um, snuck in loads of equipment. So I was like wired for sound up in the gods of the Gallagher, um, and I had a camera, but I hadn't gone through officially. I didn't have a pass to be there. I wasn't meant to be filming. Um, and my phone just started going ping as as it dawned on us that we'd won the the title. My phone was just going. I was trying to film people, and I was just getting text after text after text from people going, "They've done it! It's amazing! Hollywood ending! Sensational!" Blah 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 blah. It was the perfect ending. You know, you, you said about the Hollywood ending at the start of the playoffs. I, I even even if we had got into the playoffs and won it, I don't think it would have felt like that. No. Um, because you know, I've written down here that I, I thought you captured just the absolutely perfect attitude with one one sentence and it's it's been around in the in the trailers but it doesn't really matter but it does yeah it just, yeah that was Dave. that set sorry go on no i was gonna say that was davy the, the guy who said it i mean obviously it's not wasn't scripted he just came up with it but it's bang on perfect it just nail, it just nails it exactly how it was and i think a lot of people in the crowd had that exact feeling and realized that exact feeling at the same time, and I, I don't know. I I thought that that was captured so perfectly um, in in the film that that moment and that day. But that but that feeling, I I don't know. I don't know. I just I just thought you absolutely nailed it. Thank and you. It's staggering that that he's come out with those words because that, that's exactly what it was. And yeah, it, it, watching the film crazy. and being able to remember that it is crazy. And it's the it's the bit that I'm slightly it's the bit I'm gutted about, about it not being on in, on in cinemas is not so much big screen, lardy dardy, but we've got a beautiful 5.1 surround sound mix. And it was mixed for cinemas because I wanted it to feel like you were at the match. And okay, so you're not watching the football, you're watching people watching football, which is a different sensation. But it's just how intense and how focused people's faces are in the match. And then the the, jubil- the jubilation and the ecstasy at the end is just there on everybody's faces to see. And that's what we wanted to capture. And a lot of that comes through in the sound that if you're just w- watching it on your laptop or whatever, doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily do it justice. And I mean, justice to the, it's not just justice like in that pretentious, ooh, ooh but I mean, justice to the noise that we as 52,000 people made on that day. Well, I'm looking forward to eventually seeing it in the cinema then because it really, it really got me um, watching watching it last night at home in the dining room with my headphones on. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't imagine how good it'll be then from from what you've said. How you know? How does it feel now? You're at the end of this process. You you you've started this four years ago. You've got the the pre sales, which I, I assume are going well because because everyone's excited about it. Everyone I've spoken to is dead excited about it. You, you've got the release in two weeks time 
four years down the line. How how does it feel now to be to be coming towards the end of this? I've got to, I've got really mixed feelings. On the one hand, I'm glad that I can finally share it with the people that I made it for, as in us, you guys, the fans. And I'm actually just glad to be just glad to be done with it. You know, it's sort of like a, it's that thing of what you know if you've got I don't know you've got to do your tax return, you've got to clean the car, you've got to clean the cat litter tray. Sometimes you're just glad that you've actually done it. It's finished and out the way, and you can move on to something else. It kind of just in some ways, it's become all encompassing for a couple of years. Yeah, I bet it has. Um, that's um, it's fantastic to hear that you've that that you've come through it four years later, and you know I I totally get that you um that you're relieved that it's over but I think you've made something that you need to be incredibly proud of and Thank people you. people when they get a chance to watch it are gonna I, I promise you they're gonna feel the same as I did last night and it was it was such a brilliant trip down memory lane um it's it's interesting that it's come now we, we were just talking about this before the, the podcast are it it's really interesting that it's kind of worked out like it has and it's come out kind of as we as we supposedly are going to be leaving second lockdown believe that when it when it happens um i thought that it that it spoke to me in a way i didn't expect because because we haven't been able to go at the match and i'm, I'm curious about what your what your thoughts are on that and just let the listeners in on a, a bit of the conversation we had beforehand i i think you you've sort of been given a a weird scenario to release it at the perfect time without it being perfect at all I, I, what, what are your thoughts on having to release this film during a, a national lockdown yeah no i mean I I definitely agree with you that in some ways it plays into our favour. You know, people are really missing the match and not being in big crowds of people and all that kind of that fun. So that increases the nostalgia factor, if you like, and reasons why people would want to see it. Um, at the same time, not being able to show it in cinemas is a bit sad. But overall if it wasn't for the pandemic, then it probably wouldn't be finished yet because one of the main ways we managed to get it over the line was I got a bounce-back loan through my company, which obviously they wouldn't have been available had it not been for the pandemic. So it's a kind of a... The government has cocked up its handling of coronavirus, but they also gave me the lifeline to finish the film and get it out to people. So black and white just like the tuna yeah <laughs> too rice um well thank you thank you very much for your time zara it's been fascinating to hear about the film i, no I want to encourage everyone i want to encourage everyone everyone that listens to this to, to buy it you know this this is a film that's been made by newcastle united fans about newcastle united fans about our experience at the games about our experience of that brilliant season when rafa stayed when he shouldn't have about getting promotion back to the Premier League at the first time of asking when if we hadn't it would have been a catastrophe for years and years and years buy it and watch it buy it for your tune fan family and friends for Christmas get everyone you can to see it because it'll remind you all of what what we're missing at the minute and you know it, it's and a lot of you were in it. Thing. a lot of people are in it who probably don't even know they're in it because we had very long lenses that could get to places that you know you maybe don't even know that you're in the film and right back at the beginning, we asked people to send footage in as well of their matches. And there's loads of the footage was shot by fans as well. So it's, you know, it is made, It's yes, it's been made by us, but it's also been made by 
you guys too. Uh, there was uh, that's true because I spotted quite a few people that that sit in loads of different places in the ground and some of the away games throughout the film. So you you will spot people that you know. Um, so I just remind us one one last time before we finish. What's the website and how can people get the film? Uh, we are the Geordies dot com. Um, there will be on, on DVD. There will be a discount code coming out via uh, True Faith and um, also loads of digital platforms from the second week in December. Brilliant. Zara, thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Cheers. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.